The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Don't blink. We're at the time of year when if you do that twice, you'll miss the entire morning um, and be halfway through the afternoon by your third one. That happened Uh, yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> i 130 percent believe it um well, suddenly it was two o'clock in the afternoon i don't know where the day went uh we've got uh, a couple of different things to talk about um where do you want to go first where are we we're we're in the eastern con let's stay in the east okay what topic <laughs> well we got this tampa bay thing going on we got a couple of interesting stories on tampa bay actually Okay, uh, one, of them, one of them says what's going on with Tampa Bay, and the other one says they're possibly trading somebody uh, off the roster. I don't know if I buy that. There's two different trade stories. One out of a Car- uh, one out of the Carolina, uh, one out of R- Raw Charge, um, where Tyler Johnson or why uh, the headline is why hasn't Tyler Johnson been traded? Um, that's which, actually a question I have too, but I know I know the answer. Um, I think the answer can probably be applied to about 18 players uh, across the league right now, who teams really don't have room for going forward. And the answer is, everyone's waiting for someone else to blink first. No one wants to get. No one wants to be have the worst outcome on a trade that's purely for cap space when everyone knows it's going to be for cap space. Every trade that's made right about now is going to be for cap space with this flat cap. But no one wants to be the first and no one wants to lose. And if you're, if you're going to be the first, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Well, it'll be the one to be compared against. It's kind of like the way they're comparing signings of other teams to, what's going to happen with Jake DeBrusque here in Boston. I mean, it's just the way it's the nature nature of the beast. I mean, every deal is compared against the deal prior to it. We worry about how a certain defenseman is going to be signed. So, yeah, they're going to compare it regardless of when the deal is made. I am a little surprised that they haven't traded him, but with the injury history of Steven Stamkos – having a Tyler Johnson around and he's, he's a maneuverable pot. He's a maneuverable piece. He can play all three spots on the forward line. Absolutely. He can play anywhere from first to third line. Yep. So having that flexibility certainly comes into play. And I can see Julian not really openly shopping him around. I mean, if he gets, Offers, sure, why not? You know, we look at every offer, but I don't see, I don't see him out there with a sign around his neck saying, "Hey, I've got a deal for you." Uh, no, I mean it's not like he's going to take the first uh, sixth round pick for him. Uh, but let's let's be honest about it. They've been talking about trading Tyler Johnson for three or four years at this point. Um, it it. In a way, it reminds me of, you know, Mark Stewart here or, um, oh gosh, a uh, couple of other players uh, like 
let's see, Mike Camilleri, they talked about trading him out of, uh, well, every place he played for at least a year uh, before it ever happened. And they talked about trading, well, there's been talk of Patrick Kane going to Buffalo literally since he was drafted. Um, In fact, I think we saw a story on that earlier this year. But okay. will it happen? I I hold less. I hold more faith that Tyler Johnson will be traded simply because of a lower cap hit than the other person that they're talking about uh, in the Carolina trade story in the trade story involving Carolina. Well, we'll get to that in a minute because it's not just Tyler Johnson. I mean, the other possibilities of moving players are Alex Kalorn, who's. I don't know if Alex Kalorn's numbers are a benefit of who he plays on a line with or yes. I mean he, he is absolutely skilled. He I'm not is, saying he's not skilled and, and I don't know that he's I don't know that on an average team he's actually going to get 49 points in 68 games. Um that said, eh, last year was his first 20-goal season. He's been in the league since uh, t- uh, 2012-13. So it's not like he's a megastar. Um, I mean, he was under half a point per game in the playoffs last year, uh, despite, you know, how everything ended. Okay. And the other name on on. on on the list it appears to be Yanni Gord. I mean, center as far as I know. Yeah. Yanni Gord is a little bit tougher to parse. Um, he doesn't play as high up in the roster. So those guys are usually, well, no Yanni Gord. I don't see him as being a, as close to the center or the core of the team. Um, as, as Tyler Johnson or maybe co-equal with Alex uh, Kalorn. The thing is for a, how old is he? He's 28 now. Yeah. They're these guys, all three of these guys are 28, 30 and 31. Okay. So Yanni Gord, 28. He didn't, his, he didn't start playing until 26. I mean, he had two games and then 20 games. 2017-18, first full season, he had 64 total points. Two years ago, he had 48 points. Last season, now granted only 70 games, he had 30 points. His numbers are trending the wrong direction. And that's, I mean, it's hard to turn around and sell it and say, well, you know, he's having an off year. No, he's had an off couple of years. Uh so I don't Yanni Gord. They may have to take a little bit of a haircut on if they move him. But that's the thing: can they move him? He's got, like most of them, like everyone we're talking about, really. He's got a no trade clause. Um, or I mean, Gord has a no trade clause. Tyler Johnson has a no trade, and Killorn does as well. Um, so once you eliminate the teams that they don't want to be traded to. What does that leave you um, for 
see. Well, how many? Or, how many of them are going to say that they want to be traded to the Anaheim Ducks? Uh, well, here's the thing: it's six. The the team list is sixteen for Killorn. Mm-hmm. Um, for Gord, uh, full trade, full no trade clause through July twenty twenty five. So that's uh, that's really tough to get around. You basically have to tell the player we're sending you to the minors um, <laughs> if if you don't if you don't let us trade you. Like that's that's really it. And for Tyler Johnson, um, he's got the full no trade clause as well. And then uh, starting July, June 15th of next year, uh, 2021, that is, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a mere 20-team no-trade list. Um, I think your boy, uh, who's now up in Detroit, has some explaining to do with all of these no-trades and no-movements. Stevie. Yeah. Are you trying to compare him to Chia Pet? I'm just saying. Although, actually, no, because Chia Pet stuck around long enough to win the cup. Oh, okay. So Steve Eiserman just built the franchise into a perennial playoff team and cup contender. But since he wasn't there when they actually won it because he decided, you know what, he's going to go home and take on another tough project and rebuild the team that he played his whole career at. Yes. Yeah. And one of them, one of them won a cup as a general manager and the other one has not plain and simple. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I still don't think that that should be held against him. I mean, that team doesn't win the Stanley. That team does not win the Stanley cup. If, he doesn't put together that roster. And if anybody in Tampa Bay wishes to disagree with me, it's at the off wing on, on Twitter, please. Was he the general manager at the time that they won? No, he moved on to take another project. Did, did, did Julian Breezebois have anything to do with what's on that team? Only the player. Yeah, he had, yes, he brought in Blake, uh, Blake Coleman and, uh, Barclay Goudreau, which were which play who who had an impact. He also didn't get rid of I'm anything. Not saying they, because you I'm have not to, saying they didn't have an impact, but you have he, to understand the roster that you have in order to win. And he understood the roster that, and made the right additions to push them over. And the core of that roster is there as a result of what Steve Eiserman did for that franchise. Then how come Steve Eiserman didn't stick around and get it to win? Because he chose to take on another project, he left them in better shape than when he found them. Oh, better shape than when he found them. I mean, wow, because that's super hard when you draft first two years in a row. Uh, Apparently it is. Has Edmonton won anything and they drafted first how many years in a row? Uh, Two in a row, three out of four. They did make the playoffs a couple more years, a couple of years later. That they won a Stanley Cup. We're talking about Stanley Cup here. They've that's, also had more general argument. manager. Your, They've also had more argument. general manager turnover. 
Uh, no, that what difference does it make? We're having an argument here about whether Steve Eisenman should get credit for what Tampa Bay did because he's not the, the GM anymore. They drafted. He's not the GM. Period. They drafted first overall period. multiple times. Period. And they haven't won a thing. So you just have this incredible Detroit bias. So you want to give Stevie Y credit for stuff he wasn't <laughs> even in the same time zone it. for. That he, he wasn't in the same time zone. It was two years later. It's not like he was fired at the start of the playoffs. Well, you have your you have your opinions. I have the correct one, and that's the way it is. No, no, no. I have facts, and you have delusions. There's there's a difference. I do have facts. Fact is, the the core of that team was put together by general manager Steve Eisenman, who decided to go home to be closer to his family who live in Detroit instead of commuting every day and oh, take on a project. Poor, poor multimillionaire who had to fly all of two hours, uh, you know, which is what, which is barely more than the average person drives in order to do his job. Oh. Poor baby. Okay. Taking on a project to rebuild the franchise that he played his entire career for. Blah, 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 Bring them back to. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't worry. We're listening. I've said my piece. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to go from here because if there really are people out there who think that Steve Eisenman had nothing to do with Tampa Bay winning the Stanley Cup, then they're wrong. You're trying to give him all the credit and not Julian Breezewatt. I just did give Julian Breezewatt credit. Actual general manager. He brought in Blake Coleman. He brought in Barkley Goudreau. A couple of goons. Actual general manager versus dustbin of history. Dustbin. Wow. Okay. All right. So, Steven Stamkos is the other guy uh, in Carolina that people are talking about trading. Mm-hmm. According to the nice folks, um, oh, let's see. According to the nice folks uh, for Cardiac Canes, Steven Stamkos was asked to waive his no trade clause in order to be moved. Uh, a little bit north. First of all, this trade's not going to happen for the for the reason that it's within the same division. Mm, given how much Stamkos is out, it, it, it might not. This could be, you know, addition by subtraction or uh, addition by uh, sabotage. And the only way you're going to get Carolina to take him is if you swallow half the salary. And there's no way that Carolina uh, uh, Carolina would ask for them to swallow half the salary. At eight and a half, it's not that terrible a salary, just given how many jerseys the man is going to sell. If you move him, they're probably paying a third of his salary out of the jerseys, T-shirts, uh, and bobbleheads that they will sell in the first six months. Okay, so not half the salary. They're gonna have, if they don't ask for some of the salary to be swallowed because this is still, regardless of why you're moving him, you're moving him due to salary cap issues. Well, not every team 
suddenly has all of this cap space. So they're going to have to swallow some salary. Oh yeah, if if I were the if I were the Carolina Hurricanes, I would want um, Tampa to swallow one and a half to two and a half million, which I don't think is incredibly unreasonable. I think it's a great bargain for Carolina because there's no way that you could get a free agent uh, of of Stamkos's caliber when he's healthy um, to land there. I also think they need to reconsider what they're going to ask for. And according to this article, they're talking to and, and who wrote this? Connor Power. Um, excuse me. Uh, yes, Connor Power. Mm-hmm. According to this, he says that Tampa Bay would starting point would be a 2021 first round pick. I understand that. Yep. And Ryan Suzuki or Jamison okay. Reese who are two of their top prospects in their organization. And there would need to be more added beyond that. Yes. That's, that's what happens when you have a, uh, when there's, um, I mean, even though not, not for the, not for the possibility that either a, he's not going to play any games or B, he's only going to play half a season because he is, he has an injury history and you can't deny the injury history. You can't, argue against it and say, well, you know, no. It also comes down to how much salary uh, Tampa has to swallow. If Tampa has to swallow a lot of salary, like half, which I don't see happening. Right. Because there's no point moving him. Um, I think that that Tampa would be justified in asking for more. Uh, And perfectly reasonable to do so. You know, you ask for the 21, 20, or the 2021 first round draft pick. Maybe you ask for the 2024 first round draft pick. Um, get out for uh, put that up there for when you're not under the uh, not under still carrying the salary, and then and then you pick up a prospect or two. If it's just one or two, one and a half, two and a half million of salary, I, I think that the first rounder. And uh, a high prospect and a mid prospect are probably what you're looking at, or a mid prospect, a high prospect, and that first rounder. Yeah. Sorry, mid rounder. I'm sorry. First, yeah. second, and a and a high prospect. Okay. And I would pay that to get him at to get Stephen Stamkos at say six and a half million for the next several years. Yeah, I, I can live with that. And his injury history and the fact that he's only played, like, I don't know, one full season in his whole career? Yes, it's it's a risk. It, but there's no such thing as a risk-free player. None. And it's high risk, high reward. He's one of the most dynamic and skilled players that we have seen in the NHL in the last 25 years. You can, if you want to draw up a list of the 25 best players of the last 25 years in the NHL and you leave him off of it, you're probably going to be a laughingstock. And I was wrong. He's played full seasons four times in his career, the, the last time being two years ago, 18-19. Uh, but in the last five years, last five seasons, he's played only a full season only once. Yeah. One season, you only played 17 games. I mean, 
57 yeah, games. Troubling. Seventy-seven, thirty. I mean, he's had multiple broken legs. One that we saw here in Boston. Yeah, that was that was ugly, and he knew it was broken immediately. I mean, it's yes, it's a risk, but that's why I'm saying with that kind of risk, there needs to be some give back from Tampa Bay. And reading the article, it doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like Connor here has brought up what Carolina should be expecting in the deal, except for it's Steven Stamkos. Well, they need to be getting Steven Stamkos with a little bit of a haircut, at least 25-30%. I would like to see higher if I was making the deal based on the injury history, especially if they're expecting top prospects and first-round picks. I understand that Tampa Bay needs the money so that they can sign Sergachev and Cernak and uh, goodness, who else? Who else do they have to sign there? They got like they've four. Got, they're, five. They've got a couple. Yeah. Anthony Sorelli. And um, they also they need the pure roster space. They need to move someone or some ones. I mean, is it is it conceivable that they turn around and and? repeat as champions I mean they've got the roster that they haven't moved away from it so given given the reason for uh, the shutdown I don't feel comfortable making any predictions about anything particularly <laughs> particularly not if they do the pretend ops again you really didn't like those uh, <clears throat> summer playoffs uh, they were those series, with with one exception, were terrible hockey. They were not like even preseason hockey seemed to have a bit more commitment. That's not fair. Montreal played their hearts out. Montreal played their yeah. hearts out. They Carey were Price. the exception that proved the rule. Carey Price discovered discovered himself again against guys who were well. They were playing what. That was Philly they played in that? No. But Montreal's first round uh, in the in the qualifying, that was that was good. Everyone else's first round was unsightly. <laughs> Even the teams that won were basically winning by almost forfeit. They took out Philly. Yeah, with the greatest coach the NHL has ever seen, named Elaine Vigneault. <laughs> Got it. Except that Elaine Vigneault doesn't actually play on the ice. Irrelevant. And what is it that you think of the quality of the defensive abilities of their of their blue line? Oh, I I'm not a big fan of their defense either. I mean, yes, got, they've got too many offensive defensemen on that team. Yes. I'll be the first to say, oh, wait, I was. Yeah. I think that they need to get in there some some actual defensive defensemen. But Provorov is offensive-minded. Shane Gostaspier, offensive-minded. Um, Eric Gustafson, who played for Chicago, is offensive-minded. The only ones I could say are not are Justin Braun. Yep. Recent pickup. 
possibly Robert Hag. Right. And then recent, you know, Sandheim's young and I don't know that he's really found his way yet. He's only 24. And Philip Myers is even younger and he's an RFA. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think they're moving Stamkos. I don't think they're moving Johnson. I think if they're going to make any trades, it's going to be end up being Kalorn and or Yanni Gord. I don't see them getting. I don't see them giving up on Tyler. Don't see them giving up on Tyler, and you don't think that Stamkos is gone. Do you honestly think that they're going to move Stamkos? I think that Stamkos might actually be the best option to move on from. I'm not. That's not the question. I asked you, do you think they're honestly, do you honestly think they're going to move him? I agree that he's the best option. I mean, he frees up the most cap space uh, at his age and injury history. Uh, moving on from him, clearly you can win without him, as we saw in the pretend offs. Yeah. So the question was, do you think they're going to move him? I just don't know. I, I I would I would be surprised by it. I guess is all I can say. They have to move someone, and first deal that makes sense versus waiting around to see what happens. Okay. I mean, yes, everybody's in a hole in, in a waiting pattern. They don't even know when the season's starting, so that just adds another level of uh, uncertainty to the whole thing. So what else do we talk about here? Dallas stars. They are trying to keep hold of uh, one of their number one or one of their better defensemen, Mm -hmm. which uh, might make room for, which might mean they have to make room by moving someone else out. But let's talk about who it is that they, uh, who it is that they're trying to resign. Mm-hmm. Uh, defending Big D, uh, written by Kathleen Tibbetts um, just yesterday, uh, points out that uh, John Klingberg is going to be is going to be in need of a contract soon. Um, admittedly, that is still a year or two away. I'm gonna say he's got this year and next year at four and a quarter million. Yep. Is he underpaid? Uh, possibly. Possibly, but that's the that's the risk you sign when you sign the contract. To say you say the same thing when Bergeron signed his contract. Is he underpaid? Yeah. Is is uh, is somebody like Pasternak underpaid? For the regular season, yes. For the playoffs, no. There you go. So is he underpaid? Yeah, based on what other defensemen, other top-tier defensemen are making now, yes, he's underpaid. That being said, is John Klingberg, as this article indicates, is John Klingberg a Norris-caliber defenseman in your mind? Based on the way the it's created or it's awarded right now, probably. Um, certainly in the conversation, 
Um, based on the way it was awarded through the 80s and 90s, mm, tough to say. Or, no, we'll just say it, no. Um, based on the way it's actually written, no, not even a close. I mean, his, I, I did, he's... He's a he's a solid defenseman. I don't think yep. he's. Uh, maybe I would, I'm. Just, I would comfortably put him in total ability in the top third of the league, but I'm not going to say that he's in the top five percent of the league, which I, I guess is the best way to. Since the beginning of his contract in fifteen sixteen, he's tied for eighth among NHL defensemen in points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they point. Now in this article, they point out that Tory Krug, uh, seven years, six and a half mil, average annual value. Um, he doesn't kill penalties. Did you know that about Tory Krug? He doesn't kill penalties. Uh, not very many. Yeah. Keith Yandel, who I'm certain is in his low thirties. Seven-year deal, six and six point three five million dollar cap hit. I mean, should Klingberg be looking for somewhere in the six six and a half range? Is he? I don't. I don't think six six and a half is outside. Is outside his skill level. Okay. I mean, it's not a. It's not. I mean, at four and a quarter, give him a two million dollar raise. It's thirty three percent. Yeah. Uh I can live with that. For Klingberg, I don't have a problem with that. If you're going to turn around and give Miro Heiskanen a huge raise. And that's what the article seems to imply, that Heiskanen is going to get another bigger raise. I mean, I don't know what Heiskanen is getting paid at the moment. I would have uh, to. Foreign change, four and a quarter. So he's already making what Klingberg makes. Ouch. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Miro Heiskanen is just finishing his RFA, uh, his entry level contract. So he's at uh, 894,000. And you're going to give him a raise up to 4 million? It's going to happen. Yeah. I I agree. It is going to happen. I don't know if. I don't know if four million or better is the number I'd be shooting for. I, if I were if I were Dallas, I'd want to keep him around three and a half. <laughs> see, the thing for me is I you have to look at those playoff numbers from this year: mm-hmm. twenty six points in twenty seven games on a team that could not score. Yeah, six goals, twenty assists in twenty seven games. If he can keep up that playoff production. That I mean, that is ridiculous hockey. That's scary stuff there, yeah. Because remember, Tyler Sagan was injured the entire time and did essentially nothing um, for them in the playoffs. Uh, he took he he stepped onto the ice uh, intermittently. Is really <laughs> the best that you can say. Intermittent. He took a lot of face. He took he took a lot of ice time away from somebody else. <laughs> I, no, I agree. If he can maintain those kind of playoff numbers, mm-hmm. he's going to be able to pretty much demand <laughs> five. He, he'll be able to demand five million plus. But I mean, 
You've only got one season to fall back on because this is the last year of his entry level. So they're yeah. going to be looking to give him some cash. They've got a lot of big ticket signings already, though. You've got Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Radulov. Which brings me to who they might have to move or, or who they might be convinced to part with uh, that could benefit uh, another team that we're familiar with. Esselandel is making five point. There you go. You got you jumped right to his name. Of course. Um, left defenseman, twenty six years old. Um, next season plus four. Going to ask for the moon from the Bruins. Cap certainty, no, <laughs> and cap certainty and no uh, no restrictions on moving him. Wait, his five point eight does fit under the current dollar amount that the Bruins have for cap. Yes, space. it does. <laughs> Which means that the Bruins could, you know, maybe they could send Zach Senishin, who is totally, totally awesome, as we all know. They're gonna want that. They're gonna want that guy that actually has more goals in the same number of games as James, as Tyler Sagan. They're not actually going to ask for. They know they're not going to get him though. Like legitimately, they're not going to get him. You're not going to get Jake DeBrusque. They're not getting Jake DeBrusque in the, in trade in return. Okay. They could get. They could get like a. They could get the 2022 first round pick. And maybe throw in uh, Matt Felipe or. See, um, not really an offense. Actually, it might be. He's got he's got as much offense as the savior. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and is healthier. Wait, twenty six years old. Look at this. He played two seasons in a row. He played the full season. Um, so maybe you have to part with, maybe you have to part with Studnika or maybe you have to part with Frederick to get it done. I don't know if Frederick does. Studnika, Studnika might. I don't know if Frederick does. I like Trent Frederick a lot. I really do. I just don't know. And Studnika's played more in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. Not by much, but. I don't think that either one of them has all, enough games to say that one is clearly better at the NHL level. I mean, Stadnika has just two NHL games. Estelandel's a big guy. I didn't realize he was that big. And you think Dallas would buy it? I think that I think that there's a really good case that can be made, especially removing that much cap space. Uh, for the next couple of years, because if, if it, assume it's Frederick or Stadnika that goes back, they have a blowout year next year. Thirty-five goals, forty assists on one season. They're still not getting more than two and a half or three million, which is over two million in cap saving. Two or three million in cap savings versus Esselandell. I would not have a problem with Esselandell in, in black and gold. Not from what I've seen of him, anyway. I mean, no. Solid defense. Like I said, bigger than I, I didn't realize he was 6'3, 215. I mean, I knew he was tall, er, but I didn't realize he was quite that big. Um, the money fits. 
he fills a, a definite need. Yep. The only question is what's Dallas going to ask for? If, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be one of Studnika or Frederick. I think it would be probably a first in either 21 or 22. Um, Do we have those assets? We have I mean, those we, assets. We didn't have the assets to to get OEL or we just had a GM who wasn't going to pull the trigger. And that, that is the biggest problem with any trade that you talk about potentially for the Bruins. It's not – yes, in some cases it's the assets, but the biggest – barrier to completion is the guy sitting in the GM's office, I honestly believe. Yes, I I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, that still means you have to move around some money in order to be able to sign Debr- re-sign DeBrusque um, if you bring him in at that 5.8, but John Moore can John Moore can be bought out for all I care. We could include John Moore in the deal. Uh, Do you want Dallas to hit us? (laughs) Do you want Dallas to never deal with us again? (laughs) But, I mean, right now the Bruins have a lot of money on the cap, on the, uh, on injured reserve. So there's probably going to be a player or two going back. It might actually end up being... DeBrusque, whether anyone wants that or not, because that is a big hole on the defense to fill. It gets your it gets you more experience on the back end than you have right now. It fills a left a left defense void, and it, it's a void. It's a giant gaping void. Your options at left defense are Matt Grizzlick <clears throat> and John Matt Grizzlick and Matt Grizzlick and John Moore and. Wait, if I remember correctly, Zakhar Zavoral is a left defenseman. Um, the then, other left defenseman are Jack Akhan, uh, Erho We talked about them last week or the week before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your options are thin. Nick Wolf. <laughs> I I'm realistically with twenty. If you give me, if you give him twenty games of NHL play in a row, I'm probably taking him over John Moore. Not because I love Nick Wolf, I really do like him, but I have no idea what to expect from him at the NHL level. But because I seen John Moore attempt to play hockey. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 there's a reason he spent a bulk of time on the a bulk of time on the. Uh, the the ninth level there, watching games instead of playing in them. Uh, because he's about the fifteenth best defenseman in the uh, in the system, and when I say that, I'm I'm fairly certain that Don Sweeney, with six months to work out, would be at least his equal. And Don yeah. Sweeney hasn't been at ice level uh, in fifteen years. Well, Don Sweeney is. Um Don Sweeney is 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 running this team. Oh wait, I was gonna say into the ground, but it's not quite there yet. He's running the team with. Uh, uh, he's certainly running the team. I'm not entirely certain where it's going, but uh, he's doing it. 
is there any? I mean, is there anybody else Dallas could, should, or they can't to? lose anyone at forward? They need offense. They need offense. They need to get younger. Pavelski, thirty-six. Radulov, thirty-four. Cogliano, thirty-three. Granted, he's in the last year of his deal. Blake Camo, thirty-four. They've got a couple of youngsters. Uh, Gurianov is thirty-three, and uh, Fax is twenty-six. Uh, they haven't signed Rupe Hints yet, but he's twenty-three. But they need to get a little younger. I mean, their defense is well positioned. Klingberg, twenty-eight. Stephen Johns, twenty-eight. Asa Lindell, if you want, 26. Alexiak's only 27. I mean, their their oldest defenseman is Andre Sekera at 34. Everybody else is in their 20s. Oh, my apologies. Taylor Fadun is 32. So defensively, defensively, they're right in the wheelhouse. It's their offense. They need to get a little younger up front. Yeah. I I mean... Is Jake DeBrusque the best person the Bruins could be trading right now? Probably not. Is he going to be is would he get a return for something that they desperately need? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that Is it the best return that they could possibly have gotten if the GM had his head screwed on straight? <laughs> no. No. Because the best return would have been signing Tory Crew to the 7-year contract and <laughs> calling it a day. Considering what he signed for with St. Louis, what was it, six and a half per? Yeah, six and a half, six and a quarter, somewhere around there. It was six. It was six and a half, but it was a seven-year deal, and the Bruins supposedly offered him six and a half on a six-year deal, but then for some reason pulled the deal. The bungling of that is grotesque. Yes, agreed. I mean, I did. he's still he's still living here in, in, in Boston currently. They did an interview with him on the NHL Network during mm-hmm. the week. He's still living here in Boston. He loves it here. He keeps yep. talking about how he and his wife and his kids, his dog is named Fenway. Yep. I mean, this is a guy who gave everything he had out on that ice, and you couldn't find a way to sign him? <laughs> Legitimately... <sighs> I just don't understand uh, Don Don uh, as a general manager. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, and we've rehashed multiple times all of the things that he missed out on, as far as the, as far as Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, the possibilities of getting your hands on somebody else, like a Troy Stetcher or. or who went for a cheap deal, Nate Schmidt, who went for... Yeah. So, seriously, how do you miss these things? I mean, as a general manager, it's your job to... There was a movie title uh, that certainly describes the Don Sweeney administration. Eyes Wide Shut. (laughs) Because, dude, you're not seeing what's in front of you. covered Dallas, we covered Tampa Bay. Um, we did not cover the situation in Glendale. 
what's to cover? They they eliminated they they managed to chase off one of the best young GMs in the NHL. What's to, uh, what's to cut? What's to and I think that's part and parcel of a couple of issues. Um, the Glendale City Council wants more commitment from the Yotes. Uh, this is Joshua Bowling reporting for Arizona Republic. Um, until just before the end of uh, October, uh, the Coyotes were months behind on payments owed the city uh, that they did manage to apparently catch up on. Um, oh, that's good. I wonder how much of that was due to the ownership uh, change. What was it last summer? Uh, it feels like nine off seasons ago, but I think it was actually last summer. Um, so, yeah. And because that had been due in June 30th, Months behind, according to this article, months behind on rent and other payments. What happens if you don't pay your rent or I don't pay my rent? Uh, you come home to a big piece of paper uh, stuffed, uh, tacked to your door saying, get out by this date. Ah. Thankfully, the Arizona Coyotes didn't get that little notification. Yes, but... They, uh, the key part of this deal is that it's been a year-to-year arrangement between the Coyotes and the city of Glendale, and it doesn't appear to be working for either side, uh, as you mentioned uh, in the pre-show. Glendale well, wants more, uh, mm-hmm. like more term, and I suspect the Coyotes would be quite happy to pay less in the way of fees and uh, maintenance. Okay, and as I said, if both parties are unhappy with the deal, the, it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a problem. Okay, both par- if one party didn't like it, yes, then it's a conversation. If both parties don't like it, how difficult is it to say, okay, let's rework it? Uh, well, yeah, given the, the current owner of the team went around, uh, went behind the back of his general manager to talk to uh, to talk to a player and didn't bother to tell him. Yeah, that um, was a nice little. That was a nice touch, by the way. Uh, and managed to sour a relationship like that. Um, you're probably going to have to spend a good deal of time beating sense into owners, uh, into the owner, or finding someone to act as his proxy, who he will a trust and b, uh, who well will not let him become the, na- the league's next Eugene Melnick. Okay, I don't know if you could become the next Eugene Melnick, but you could certainly try, and and that would be uh, the direction that they're heading. Uh, They've been a great partner. They've been a great tenant. We have every intention of working with them. So not only is this, not only is this, both sides don't like the deal, but they have every intention of working with. The, the the city has every intention of working with the government with with the coyotes. It, the, the, I'm sure that they do, except that it's a politician speaking. So ah yes. Um, I think that's important. Uh, I think what's more important is some of the players who are still unsigned that make no bleeding sense. 
I mean, Sammy Vatten and unsigned. Both. Sammy Vatten and unsigned. Andreas Athanasiu, unsigned. Uh, your buddy, Mike Hoffman, unsigned. You need to stop Anthony that. DeClaire, unsigned. Okay, that one I don't get. Oh. <laughs> um, you've got... I mean, I don't get a great many of these players who somehow are not especially by Ottawa themselves I mean as far as as far as the Duclair one if he performed okay you look at you look at overall where he's how he's performed and you go okay so he wasn't he didn't shoot a lot when he was in Arizona he didn't do this when he was in Chicago da, da, da. but when he got to your team clearly something clicked and he played really, really, really well. And he played really, really, really well. On a not aggressively good team. <laughs> not aggressively good. I like that. But you put him on a line. He was, I mean, you put him on a line with, with your number one pick there, uh, Brady Kachuk. And was he also on a line with... Uh, was it Colin White? Uh, I mean, we're talking about a kid here who, I mean, how do you not have him? Like, I, I, I can't come to any rationalization for, for him not being signed. And it's not like it was a, it was a one year thing. He was, it, it, he finally found his game when he hit Columbus in, uh, in 2018, 19. Columbus deals him to Ottawa, and in 21 games of Ottawa, he has 14 points. Where in Columbus, in 53 games, he only had 19 points. Then he comes back first full season. Unfortunately, it was shortened by a pause. But he plays 66 games. He has 40 points. He's found whatever rhythm he needs to find. The last time he had numbers like that was in 15-16, his first year with Arizona. Yep. And that was in 81 games. We're talking a 15-game difference here to come up yes. four points less. How have you he, not given this kid some money? Sign him. Yes, you have a lot of young players and that are going to need contracts in a couple of years. But that doesn't mean you throw away someone just because you – that doesn't mean you throw away someone right now. They still got – 12 million, 12 and a half million in cap space. Yeah. Uh, and if you they, double his salary, just double, I mean, you're still not paying very much. He was at one, uh, 1.65, give him 3.1 and just move on with, move on with your life. They actually have, yeah, their RFAs are all going to – their chickens are coming home to roost at the end of this year because then you're going to have to deal with Brady Kachuk, Logan Brown, yep. Drake Batherson, uh, Rudolph Balsers. He's on a Ooh, COVID. I'm game. sure is top three in production for the team. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. You're also going to have to deal with Good Branson and Mike Riley, but they're UFO, UFAs, so yeah, you make do. Christian Wallanen, Christian Yaros, both RFAs arbitration eligible. Then you have to deal with 
your backup goaltender, Anders Nilsson, uh, who's actually four years older than your starter who you dealt for, Matt Murray. Yes. Uh, hmm. The big thing is that at the end of the season, for almost $5 million comes off the books in the form of Marion Gabrick. Yay. So even though you've About got time. all those names to sign, he's finally going to come off the books. You free up $5 million bucks. Yay. And lest we forget. I just think that, that I think that I think the Anthony declare one is, is, I mean, yeah, it, it, defensemen not being signed is is a little scary because everybody needs defense. But this this should be a no brainer for Ottawa. Here's the here's the uh, goal scoring leaders for the Ottawa Senators last year. John Gabriel Pajot. Yeah, he's not with the team anymore, by the way. Oh yeah, that I forgot about that. But twenty-four <laughs> goals. Anthony Duclair, number uh, twenty-three goals. Wow. Uh, and he did that in less games than number two, Brady Kachuk, who had twenty-one goals. And then Connor Brown, sixteen goals. So you only have two people who have scored twenty goals or more in your uniform in the last two seasons. Right now, right now, and or you had them when the season ended, and you're going to return with one of them. Are you trying to tank a little bit harder? Is that is that what the issue is? Who's it up there? Pierre Dorian, right? Yeah, sounds right. And he's made a lot of decent moves. He I'm has. not. They, they suddenly they figured out how to right the ship. Whether it's they they took the long game, you know they're playing the long game. They know that it's going to go through youth, and they're going to have to rebuild. Anthony Duclair is all of what twenty six. Yeah, twenty five. Twenty five. It's not like he doesn't fit into your fit into your your plan, your your scheme. He's still young still heading toward his prime because prime age is usually somewhere 27 29 in that range uh, as i've said this is the one that i have the hardest time understanding yes and i and and the same for me i get i mean sammy botton not being signed okay but uh, sammy botton has an injury history that's longer than his playing history at this point. And some of the, I mean, okay, Corey Perry's on the list, but he's 35. Yep. Uh, other big, are there other big names on? There really aren't. It, I mean, Duclair at this point is arguably the best player left unsigned. I mean, Carl Soderberg's on the list, but he's 34. And is he still as effective as he has been in the past? I know that he's a penalty killer, more of a defensive forward. Uh, Athanasiu is still trying to figure it out, I think. 
Connor Sherry has been on Stanley Cup winning teams, so he has a little bit of playoff experience. Yes, he does. But yeah, I just I, if only just for Ottawa, it, it is what it makes sense. And yes, there's still guys available like some guy named Zdeno Chara who's not going to do anything until he figures out what's going on with himself. Right. I mean, as far as UFAs go, he's it. Um, Matthew Barzal is apparently still unsigned. Pierre-Luc Devoir is still unsigned. Oh, yeah. Uh, but those are RFAs. RFAs. Uh, like Barzal, I... What's the argument there? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, don't un- I don't understand that. What is the issue with... Um, the Islanders and, and inking Marzal. And what is the issue with with signing um, Pierre-Luc Dubois? I mean, he was <laughs> one of the best players or one of the most dominant players in in the for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Ten points, ten games, plus three. Yep. Uh, he, he also suddenly found his physical abilities. Uh, I mean, he was outstanding, not just in play, but to watch. You knew he was on the ice every single shift. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as UFAs go, it almost certainly is uh, Anthony Clare. Yeah, there. Are, I mean, there are other names, uh, but Ottawa should be focusing on him. Um, Vince Dunn is still unsigned by St. Louis. Just throwing that out there since I yes mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. Rupe Hintz is still available. Speaking of Dallas and and forwards and needing youth, Rupe Hintz is still unsigned as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is clearly a sign of the fact that money is tight and the cap didn't go up. To see high-level names not signed. And yeah, I'm sure that there's a little bit of greed on the part of the player as well and, and their agent. You know, that the, they feel the offers aren't what they should be. But... Yeah, I think that this all has to do with the lack of income at the at the turnstiles, uh, lack of income at the pro shops due to the pause in play that we had experienced in the spring and the delay in play that we're experiencing now. Exactly. Um, I really, really would like to see... Well, all three, all four. I I don't understand why any of the first nine players listed for RFAs, uh, according to Cap Friendly, uh, in order of points per game, are not yet signed. Barzal Dubois, Dylan Strom, Anthony Sorelli, Rupe Hintz, Jake DeBrus, Jesper Bratt, um, Luke Cunning, and Mikhail Sergachev. Uh Yes, we need to see a little bit more from Alexi Sorella, but you go down, you got Vince Dunn, Ethan Bear looked solid uh, in the games that I saw from him. 
Uh, I like Pontus Eberg is still an RFA. That's the Pope is still available. Um, Eric Cernak. Uh, I mean, we talked about Tampa Bay, and they're having to be very careful with what they do, and probably move on from people. He's a good young defenseman, as is Sergachev, obviously. Uh, yeah, this just this first top twenty. Yeah, the top nine clearly. What are you waiting for? But yeah, then there's guys like Vince Dunn. Peter Chalaric, you look at his points per game, but you got to stop and go, oh, wait, he's only played three games. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also wow. one of the two or three older players on that list right now. He's actually only 24. Really? You got a couple of 26-year-olds, a 25-year-old, a couple of 24s. I mean, yes, there are 21 and 22-year-olds on the list as well. I think he sits somewhere in the middle. The issue being that he's already played parts of... 40 games. 40 games in the NHL. He's played the equivalent of half a season, roughly. And in that half a season, he has 11 points. Five goals and six assists. And the Bruins have never managed to get him into a playoff game in Boston because... eh, Yeah. So, I'm... I... I cashed out on Solaric a while ago. Uh, I'm really not surprised that he's not signed. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Europe uh, after his Bruins experience. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about it either. There are other things more important to worry about, like what you're going to do with Jake. So, uh, getting your getting a, a left defenseman, a, or two. Or two. Yeah. Although you do still have John Moore. <laughs> and that is such a tremendous help. <laughs> I mean, he can help guide uh, new players or all the way up to the ninth level uh, when they don't make it into the roster. Always, He'll always be available for press interviews and impromptu conversations with fans. Oh, that's nice. It is. It is. It, it, it's nice that you can be that kind of you can have that kind of availability you know for and humility and humility yeah okay then i believe we're done i think we've covered everything we've put out to cover today ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening as always um you can find us both on twitter um i am i do check in intermittently even though i don't tweet too much during the off season uh have a great week and we'll be back next sunday take care <laughs>